0: everybody my name is Emily host of the fuel your freedom podcast in the health and fitness space there can be so many rules recommendations and oftentimes restrictions on this show we talk all things freedom whether you've been training for years or are looking to take the first steps in your health and fitness journey this show will fuel your body mind and soul to break free from what you've heard in the past and find your version of health and fitness the one that works for you now let's fuel our freedom. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fuel Your Freedom podcast. My name's Emily as always, I'm your host of the show. Today we have a super exciting episode and something that's been on my mind for a while because I think it is so applicable to really everybody. Um, So we're going to be diving into the world of kind of that wearable fitness tech, watches, monitors, etc. that you can get uh, to encourage, help, assist, guide you on your fitness journey. I'm not really sure, but we're going to be diving into it. So before we start, I do want to preface that this isn't going to be me bashing or talking down on the wearable tech world. I think there are pros and cons to all of these fitness monitoring devices, right? I, I do think that there are positives. I do think that there are negatives. So we're going to be diving into both of those things uh, instead of just focusing on one. All right, so and as well, caveat number two, this is an area where I do have a lot of experience in. Um, I would say I was a fairly early adopter, if you will, of some of these wearable tech devices, um, starting with like the first ever Fitbit model that didn't have a screen. It only had like five lights to tell you where you were at. So I've been around and in that space for a long time. So and owned multiple models uh, of many different companies, watches, uh, straps, etc. So very cool stuff. Uh, I think anyway. So let's kind of break it down. So like I said, there are plenty of positives in this world. This isn't going to be an article just focusing on the negatives. And I think it has improved some aspects of people's training. But at the same time, there are bound to be those negatives that do come along with it. So I'm going to start with the positives. Uh, And I I have three big positives that I think we can kind of Glean from and learn from the world of wearable tech. First and foremost, we have objective data. Wearing a fitness device that measures data does just that. It provides you with objective data. So, where much of the fitness world is subjective, meaning it's own to our up to our own interpretation and evaluation, uh, a lot of it. Like having this objective data can be helpful, right? Some of these subjective measures, and I'm going to try not to mess these two up as I'm talking. Uh, some of these subjective measures, I I do think are good, right? I don't think that subjective data in the world of fitness is bad. If we're looking at one of my my go-to's that I use for in my workouts is the Rate of Perceived Exertion or RPE scale. This is a tool that provides a scale to measure the effort of your workout on either a scale of one to ten or seven to twenty. Um, both are a little bit different. I think the one to ten is easier to understand, so I'm gonna refer back to that one. But know that there are two scales. On this scale, one is a minimal effort task, like washing the dishes, right? Doing doing something extremely low effort. But on the other hand, ten is a maximum effort. So if it is a 10, it's likely can only be sustained for that short period of time. This is like as much effort as you have to give. This is a subjective scale. It varies from person to person. One person's five might be another person's RPE eight, right? It can also be dependent based on the day. If you're recovered properly, hydrated, well-fueled, etc., weights might be moving smooth and fast. Let's say an RPE seven, but if you come into training fatigued, underfueled, not well-hydrated, etc., that same weight could register as an 8 or 9 on any given day, right? Neither of these is bad or good, it's just simply different, right? It's that subjective measure. Wearable tech takes a subjective measure and can relate it to a concrete or objective data measurement. So if we use heart rate, looking at the RPE scale, it actually equates to heart rate measures, right? So yes, it's a scale of one to 10. But if we look deeper, it was initially designed to correlate to heart rate when heart rate could not be measured, right? We didn't always have these watches uh, in the palm of our hand. We had to go into a lab to measure the heart rate. So RPE was a way to bring that into the gym at a very minimal to low cost scale. So if we're looking at the one to 10, 1 is roughly 10% max heart rate, 2, 20%, 3, 30%, and so on, right? And just as a side note, fun fact, the 7 to 20 scale is simply just beats per minute, right? So 7 is 70, eight 80, right? Beats per minute instead of percentage. So that's kind of why that scale does start at 70. When we use a heart rate monitor, we can see this relationship. So in my current program, one of my finishers is sprints. I work to a 9 out of 10 RPE, but also ideally into that zone 5 heart rate zone. Most days, these measures are reached almost simultaneously, right? When I sometimes the heart rate does have a lag just to be the way it's measured, right? We we stop working or as we're working, our heart rate is an outcome measure, so it's just a little bit delayed from where we're actually at right at that any given moment, right? But when I feel like I'm working at a 9 out of 10, chances are my heart rate has just crossed into that zone 5 or will do so in the next like couple of seconds that I wanted to reach for that work effort, right? But if there's a day I'm feeling fatigued, I might feel like I'm at a 9 out of 10, but my heart rate only hits a zone 4, right? And I know I haven't really talked about zones in here. Just know I'm using a 5 zone heart rate model, so... Zones one through five, five being maximum effort essentially. Okay. And being only in zone four, but feeling five out of 10 is similar to the weight example that I used in the beginning. But by using the heart rate monitor, it can confirm my subjective measure with an objective one, right? It allows me to step back and see a deeper view of my training, recognize that even if I wasn't feeling particularly fatigued, Something might be a little bit off if my heart rate isn't doing what it normally does instead of just using the subjective measure of RPE. On to our second benefit, accountability. Right? I think this is another big benefit. Some might call this motivation, but I think I like the word accountability better. Right? Let's use steps for an example here. The 10,000 steps per day number isn't a magic number. Right? There isn't a party when you reach it or congratulations around every corner, even though some of the watches do celebrate it. But there is magic in movement, right? So starting about a week ago, I actually made it a goal to hit at least 10,000 to 12,000 steps each day. While I do train, I would say five or six, sometimes seven, uh, depending on where my runs land days per week, I realized on days I wasn't running, I wasn't moving as much as I likely should throughout the course of the day, despite walking around coaching, cleaning, the apartment, and generally moving throughout the day. So I set a step goal. I simply wanted to make sure I was moving more throughout the day. I went on three to four more walks than usual just to hit that goal, right? If I didn't have a watch that measured my steps, I likely wouldn't even have noticed how far beneath 10,000 steps per day I actually was, because I thought I was moving a lot throughout the day. I was coaching, cleaning the apartment, standing at my desk, etc., but still my step count was lower than I thought. Now, flashback, remember that RPE scale from before, my perceived steps throughout the day wasn't matching my movement. My subjective data wasn't matching my objective data that my watch was telling me. Having the watch allowed me to see this discrepancy and held me accountable to the goal that I set to hit that ten to 12,000 steps. While my watch count steps currently, there are calorie goals, breathing or mindfulness goals, total workout minutes goals, calorie burn goals, et cetera, on a variety of different watches and devices that can hold you accountable to moving more and reaching the goals you set for yourself without that perception clouding your judgment. So that's where I think accountability is a huge part of having one of these fitness watches. Finally, we have community. Now, I do have to make a disclaimer here, this feature is not available on all wearable tech devices, but for those that it is, I think it can be a huge benefit. Like I mentioned at the start of this episode, I've owned a number of different wearables that would fall into the category of fitness tech, right? I started with the Fitbit, I've had two, I believe, models of a Fitbit, I had an Apple Watch, I had a Whoop, and most recently I have a Coros Apex, I also have a... i had a polar heart rate watch for a while and now i have a polar heart rate monitor that does attach and sync to my chorus apex so a variety of different things for the fitbit whoop and chorus most notably they either had support groups for questions on or on facebook or groups of people within the app who are interested in similar activities personally i think whoop was likely the best for this community aspect you could create your own teams etc Um, But it was a little bit different model than the other types of fitness tech that I've worn, if you will. But I think this community can provide a massive benefit to its users. There's a place to learn more about the features of the tech itself, but also connect over similar fitness goals and pursuits. This is cool, right? It can also tie into that accountability piece that I touched on previously in these groups that can hold you accountable to show up to workouts by hosting challenges and you can compete with your friends and creating that social network within the fitness tech itself. I mentioned I had a heart rate monitor. On a gym-wide scale, heart rate monitors can be utilized and connected to screens that participants can see during class. This allows them to push each other harder where they're able and fosters that sense of community further within the group class itself. While there are, can be downsides to this model, I've often most I've most often seen it in an anonymous in an anonymous there we go format where participants are assigned a number and they can tell that number to others only if they choose to do so so their data isn't portrayed uh, and connected with their name unless they want it to be These three positives can be a huge benefits to wearable tech but despite this I don't think that you should live and die by closing your rings hitting a step goal or burning X workout calories With that said Let's take a look at some of the negatives that I see. So, we have three negatives. First up, disconnection. Yes, I know I just talked about community, but one of the biggest downsides of this wearable tech that I see is disconnection. Not with people around you, but with yourself, right? I'll use a personal example here. I once had a calorie goal on my Apple Watch set to 760 calories burned per day. Now, Apple has now since changed their algorithm, but at the time, this 760 calories was only from movement itself, right? Not from just existing throughout the day. It was only from movement above and beyond what Apple would consider your normal. I hit that goal 166 days in a row. And I don't say this to brag, but as a cautionary tale, don't do this. Do not be me because in order to hit that goal, I was essentially forced to work out every single day. I didn't take a rest day. Sure, there were days when I didn't lift, but my shortest workout during that time was a 30-minute spin class. And if you've ever taken a spin class, you know that that is not an active recovery workout. I was disconnected from myself. I wasn't listening to my body when it said to take a rest day. I was pushing through and forcing myself to hit the goal simply because I enjoyed closing the rings, and at a certain point, I reached records, so each day I would set a higher and higher record. That's not healthy, and I don't think that that's what fitness should be. I just didn't see it at the time, I was too deep in it. My wearable tech disconnected me from myself, and I know I'm not the only one. There's actually been research studies that have shown the addiction that is closing rings, reaching step goals and how detrimental that persons or that can be to a person's overall health, fitness and even life even if it started as a positive addition to their journey. Next up we have an issue with the measurements themselves. So we're going to dive into a little measurement error for my second downside here. This is the fact that some of these devices can be incredibly inaccurate There've been research studies in this area too actually. Many studies have shown up to a 20-30% error in measurement between a wrist-worn device and that of the industry standard which would be a metabolic cart where you'd breathe you'd have to wear a um, face mask where you breathe into a tube and it measures your uh, oxygen and CO2 consumption and that or oxygen consumption CO2 that you exhale in your breath. Uh, And it can give you a more accurate measure there of your calorie burn, for example. Even on a personal anecdote level, I've noticed huge discrepancies between my chest strap heart rate monitor and my wrist worn heart rate monitor, right? Regardless of what that wrist worn one is, that's a big reason why I do have the chest strap one that connects because it is so much more accurate. If the device is going to have data that you're going to live and breathe by, I would argue that you probably want it to at least be accurate data. I'm going to get a, a couple of, I'm going to get into a couple of the tech devices that might be worth the money uh, and advice on how to interpret some data from ones that might not be at the end, so we'll get into more of that later. But for now, know that measurement error is a very real thing and it absolutely exists on a wide scale for the current wearable fitness tech that's on the market today. Though I will say there are improvements being made, Um, Like I mentioned, Apple's changed algorithm earlier uh, and things like that. Some of the tech is getting better. It's just not quite at that industry standard yet. Finally, this brings me to my last major downfall of these devices, and that is education. I wouldn't be too surprised if this article is the first you're hearing of the inaccurate measurements, right? It's not often companies are not going to advertise that their measurements are inaccurate as they try and sell the device that's inaccurate, right? That'd be terrible marketing for them, right? But, but I think that's a big problem. I think it should be more common knowledge, especially when many of these devices aren't cheap, right? And I'm not saying that you have to get something with inaccurate measurements, but just knowing that it could be is helpful when interpreting and in how we use that data. I would argue that there should be education around these inaccuracies, how to use the data that you do have, and how to interpret that, what it really means for you, right? Otherwise, you're just really purchasing an overpriced Timex that might lead you astray from your fitness goals that you actually want that watch to help you achieve. So this likely, likely brings you to one of two inevitable questions. First, what should I buy for a fitness tech? Or why the heck did I waste my money on this expensive insert brand name here? Watch, both great questions. Let's talk about if you own something now. Look at the device you have. What is it great at measuring? What can you use those measurements for? And how can you use the objective data you have to inform your training, lifestyle, and recovery, right? Inaccurate data is big. I'm not gonna sugarcoat that. While this is true, there is typically an accurate comparison that can be made day to day with the same advice, right? For example, did you close your rings yesterday, but not today on your Apple Watch? Chances are you moved more yesterday than you did today, right? So while it might not be, oh, I burned exactly 203 calories in my workout. I know if I burned 200 calories in a workout versus 300 calories in a workout, I likely worked harder in that 300 calorie burn workout, right? But the problem is we cannot get caught in the trap of, oh, I burned 500 calories so I can eat 500 calories. No, 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 that is not how we do things, right? Not it. There's lots of problems with that. But what if you only burned 250 calories, but your watch says you burned 500, then you're trying to lose weight. So you eat 500 more, which again, there are other issues. But for the sake of a simple example, then you're overeating by 250 calories, right? Days on days on days. You're going to ruin that calorie deficit, not going to lose weight, You're going to get frustrated with not seeing progress, and on and on and on, right? Not a great way to utilize the data. So if you have a watch, look at what you have, analyze how you can use that, what you can do it, use it for in your fitness journey, and use it appropriately for those without extrapolating into other areas where it might not be the best one. Second, let's talk about buying a wearable fitness tech device. First and foremost, what is your priority? Right. All the devices I've owned held different purposes. Fitbit was the first and the industry leader at the time I owned it. It was for workout purposes, but I fell in love with the non-fitness side of the watch. Notifications on your phone, for example. I didn't have to have it with me all the time. So when it died, I bought an Apple Watch. First, to get away from the step metric, because I was, you know, doing crazy things to hit my step goal and I needed to remove that. But second, because it was the industry leader in connection to the phone, notifications, etc. I then moved on to the WHOOP because I wanted enhanced workout metrics, not goal, not rings to close, noticing a pattern here, but specifically recovery, which is why I chose the WHOOP and I was sick of my phone notifications. So I, I got the WHOOP, it was the leader in recovery statistics. Finally, I land on the chorus Apex that I currently wear. It's a GPS watch, and as I'm running more, I wanted something I could see the distance without pulling out my phone, and that was accurate for trail runs. Therefore, I changed. Ultimately, there isn't a single device that's more accurate than another. Yes, there are some, but I wouldn't live and die by the research studies here. With the exception of a chest strap, heart rate monitor is usually far superior to the wrist-worn models, right? Like I mentioned, I do have that polar chest strap that does attach uh, and sync with my Coros and did with my Apple Watch as well. So if you're looking specifically for heart rate, I would recommend a chest strap plus app connectivity versus a a wrist-worn device. But the wearable tech world is similar to the rest of the fitness industry. It can be the wild, wild west. We have to navigate carefully, tread cautiously, and invest only as much as needed for the goals that we specifically have. This brings us to our empowered action for this week. Do you have a device? (laughs) This one's for you. Take note of how you're using your device throughout the week. How are you using the stats you measure? How could you use them more to your benefit? Are you being misled? Take a step back here. Don't let your device control you. If you don't own a device, bookmark this article for the future or share with a friend who might own one of these devices and could be letting it control them. That is all I have for you guys this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode 17 of the Feel Your Freedom podcast. We have some fun episodes coming up that I'm pretty excited about. Some shorter ones uh, in the next couple weeks. I know this one is a little bit longer, but stay tuned for those as we go. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. If you would leave a rating, review, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would very much appreciate it. Uh, Or share with a friend, share on a story, uh, get the word out about the podcast. It does truly help, and I very much appreciate it. As always, if there's an episode you'd like to see, you can come find me on Coach at CoachEmilyMeyer on Instagram or Facebook, and ask me to review a topic for the show. Without further ado... I'll let you guys get back to the rest of your day. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Fuel Your Freedom. Remember, this show is all about action. Now it's time to take what you've learned and implement it into your health and fitness journey or even just your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want more, don't forget to follow me on all my social media platforms at Coach Emily Meyer and the podcast on Instagram at FuelYourFreedomPodcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll chat with you next time.